the failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time. Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future. We need a president who respects science, who understands that the damage from climate change is already here. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero Carbon East Off. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista Series 2, The Manifesto. I'm Ian Collins, your weekly digest on all crucial matters green. If the last seven days have thrown up an environmental story, then it's more than likely to find its way thoroughly dissected on this programme. The man at the centre of the whole shebang is, of course, the environmentalist and green entrepreneur, Dale Vince. Morning to you, Dale. Yeah, morning, Ian. How's things? Uh, it's good, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of coffee love around there, I'm sensing. And let's just start off, and we can explain for those who missed the story, who must have been under a rock, by the way. Uh, but Shelley on Twitter, what's been your favourite coffee pun? And how much do those shirts cost her? You see, she's <laughs> put one in already. Um, so it, ex- <laughs> explain for the uninitiated, Dale, why we would be talking coffee. Yeah, we launched a new football shirt uh, this week at Forest Green, and uh, it's it's another world first made from old coffee grinds, which sounds, well, let's say unusual, certainly captured a lot of attention, a lot of people's imagination. The story went around the world. It was on TV in China and Singapore and Amazing. the USA. It's and also like alchemy, things. isn't it, really? You're making <laughs> shirts out of beans. Out of beans, yeah, that's right. Are you a wizard secretly there? Uh, no, no. Um, well, I shouldn't even answer that. That wasn't a serious question. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's this day. I mean, I, I've I've only had a, a, a shirt's worth of coffee this morning, so that's three cups. Okay, that's, right, that's yeah. what it takes to make a football shirt. Yeah. So um, it's three cups of coffee and the equivalent of a couple of recyclable. Yeah, it's five five empty plastic water bottles. Brilliant. Yeah. And obviously we we did bamboo a couple of years ago. That was our first big step into more sustainable materials for football shirts. And yeah. we're trying to get a bit of a performance boost as well because modern sports kit is made entirely of plastic, which is, you know, kind of wrong. Yeah. Um, so when we saw that, we thought, let's try and introduce some organic material into that. And bamboo was a, was a great uh, option to have. It's very breathable, antimicrobial, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. But we wanted to go further. And together with Player Layer, our kit partner, we came up with um, coffee, which is uh, even better than bamboo, uh, unbelievably. Yeah. I mean, the last person who imparted with beans in pursuit of a dream was Jack from the Beanstalk. <laughs> so, you know, I'm thinking, how did this work? Did somebody come to you and say, look, this can be done? Did you... Did you have a vivid dream about coffee, beans, and football shirts? No, not me. No, this is our, our partner's player layer, and we've, we've just had an ongoing conversation saying, well, you know, uh, after bamboo, what can we do that's better than bamboo? We wanted something yeah. more local, like from Europe, for example, sure. uh, different uh, different material. We looked at uh, castor beans, for example, which are very interesting. Oh, my favorite pun, by the way, to answer the question, I think it's blend it like Beckham. I really like that one. Oh, man, I wish I thought of that. That's uh-huh. a beauty, isn't it? Because all the spill the bean stuff happened, what smell the coffee, all that was early yeah. dawn. The, yeah, yeah. the blend it like Beckham, that's kind of taken it to, a, a, I think, a new class. That's pretty good. And, uh, you know, I know that we're going to wear this shirt in the in the new season. We're going to debut it uh, on Saturday, tomorrow. Nice. Um, uh, as a one-off, though, and then we'll auction the shirts for charity and then we'll – um, we'll use coffee in the new design that we've got for next season, which we'll unveil, I think, in May. 
Uh, and I just know that next season, you know what's going to happen. We'll grind out the odd result, and and that'll be the the kind of go to coffee pun. <laughs> Yeah, I actually thought for a second you didn't realise you'd punned it. Um, <laughs> hello, this is good. Uh, and, and of course, at half time, I mean, or if you're sent off as a player, uh, can you just stick the, the, the shirt in a cup and add water, and it goes back to being a cup of coffee? <laughs> also, like some somebody made a great suggestion, which we think we may adopt, which is to size the shirts according to coffee sizes, like Vente, for example, <laughs> for large. I think that's great. Uh, the that's only, awesome. only problem is. I don't know whether we should use this standard of uh, Costa or um, uh, the other one, what are they called? Starbucks, because they've got yeah. their own kind of naming conventions, haven't they? Yes, you, you could do that, or you could go kind of Nespresso and have your El Paggio on there and that kind of thing. So that, that would really spruce it up. Let's let's look at this story. After the fun and the japes here, the UK is heading for the worst case scenario climate emergency. So this is the chief executive of the Environment Agency warning that the UK is seeing the impacts of climate emergency hitting the worst case scenario levels right, with more extreme weather and flooding. I mean, this is a this is a man that's not making stuff up, right? Yeah, and we're seeing this increasingly. I think it's been a week of these kinds of headlines from, you know, uh, I was going to say otherwise serious bodies, but that would be a silly thing to say because this is a serious issue and, and they're right. But uh, but what I mean by that is, you know, we haven't heard from these people before. They've been silent, really, on on climate change and the yep. climate crisis. Now they're all speaking up, which is, which is amazing. I read a story about the ocean currents, the deep ocean currents that keep Europe uh, war- unseasonably warm, really, uh, in the winter and the summer. Sure. Um, and they're at their weakest level for a thousand years in a new report out this week. The, the projections are for incredibly cold winters in Europe if, if that continues in the next 10 or 20 years. Um, and so, you know, this isn't obviously just a UK problem. It's happening around the world. And, and our climate is, of course, the, the global climate and, and it's all intertwined. But it's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a kind of worrying week for for news on that front. What what's going to come out of Glasgow later this year at, at COP? I mean, is, is is it likely? I mean, what you need clearly are all leaders singing from the same. You know, it's no, it's really no good, is it, for one country to say, "Well, we're going to do this," and another country saying, "We're going to do that." I mean, it's by definition this is global. So, yeah. whatever agreements are made, this country would have to, the UK would have to adopt along with everybody else. Yeah, we signed up to Paris, of course, but I'm completely optimistic about Glasgow because we've got Biden in charge across the pond now, and I imagine he'll come here or his delegation will come here pretty gung-ho for the climate action that we need. And, you know, his own domestic plans are amazing. I think they'll they'll adopt a leadership position on this again. Uh, and, of course, Johnson and, and our government used to follow Trump. Now they have to follow Biden, and that's going to give us a very different outcome on climate and so many other things. So I am completely positive about that. And, in, and sure. you know, this week you've got the Daily Express calling for the Chancellor to take VAT off of electric cars, you know. Yeah, huge. The, the world around us is changing. Yeah. Uh, what, what about, you say Johnson taking uh, a, a kind of a, a steer from, from Biden. I mean, what about a steer from his old man? I mean, I, I know dear old Stanley isn't everybody's cup of tea, but, you know, he's got some more environmental credentials than most, one might argue. Yeah, I think he's got a lack of integrity, though. You know, he jetted off to Greece, didn't he, in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. He broke lockdown Fun. rules and then just made some excuse about having to clean his house that was f- to let for holidays or something. I don't know. Something you know. like that. Yeah, yeah, so I'm I'm not a fan. 
uh, we'll put you down as undecided on that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this comes from uh, Jeremy, who says, Dale, I live in Portland. Uh, in the, that's Portland, Oregon, in the USA. Uh, just finished your book, uh, Love Zero Carbonista. Uh, you've got me wondering, is there a US version of you? Uh, since I can't move to the UK, I need someone like you I can work with, somebody with a passion for the environment, renewable energy, and a plant-based diet, but I can't find them. Any ideas? I don't, How about actually. you buy my club, the Portland Timbers? And make them like Forest Green. <laughs> I think I think one football club is enough for anybody in one lifetime. Um, based on my experience, I mean it's great fun, but it's a lot of work. Um, but yeah, I, I hope other people follow our path. But I got no ambition in that way myself. But again, that probably wasn't a serious yeah. question, was it? I'm, yeah, no, I'm sure it was. But the, I think the bit that he was serious about was whether there is a kind of a, a Yankee Dale Vince. Yeah, interesting. I have no idea. I just have no idea. We, I, I mean, think we should try and find. There's got to be, obviously. Yeah, there must be. There yeah. was that guy. Do you remember that guy who had the conversion from being an environmentalist to a non-environmentalist? He wrote that book. We discussed him. I interviewed him on the radio one week, and then we discussed him on the podcast. Vaguely, um, yeah, I can't remember his name though. It wasn't that important? <laughs> yeah, no, it really wasn't that important. But his is is about turn from being an absolute passionate environmentalist to being. The very opposite was com- so completely. So you, you wouldn't have needed Columbo to work out that something strange was going on here. You know, possibly in the shape of a few bucks coming his way from someone. Uh, on his, yeah. I don't want to be too cynical about the man, but it was an extraordinary about turn. So it would have been him. He might have been the bloke before he crossed the Rubicon. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about him. Whether he really was a serious environmentalist. Yeah, I, I suspect not. Because if you can flip like that, then I think that. Well, oh, that's know. right. So he either wasn't to start. Yeah, maybe I think what he possibly did was pretended he was an environmentalist in order to belch out the story that he no longer was. I think that's maybe what what he did, which seems like yeah. an awful lot of hard work, really. Who knows? But look, I think. Uh, let's say it would be great if America did have a zero carbonista. I think we should investigate that because uh, there might, I like the idea that we discover this American sitting somewhere in the Midwest and he looks exactly like you, Dale. <laughs> that would just be brilliant, wouldn't it? I don't know. It might be a little bit freaky. <laughs> Uh, here's a story. Drax has scrapped its controversial plans to build Europe's largest gas power plant at its site in North Yorkshire. This follows fierce opposition from uh, lots of people. We've talked about this uh, and, and obviously lots of climate groups on this one. What's your reaction to this? Oh, I love it. Um, you know, I posted on social media yesterday. What I love about this story is this, that uh, the planning inspectors of, of our government turned this project down. They said it was adverse to our climate targets, which is set in law, by the way, and therefore shouldn't go ahead because obviously it's going to make a lot of uh, carbon emissions. Would have been the biggest gas-fired power station in Europe, no less, being built at a time when we've just declared we've got to get to zero carbon. So they turned it down. Government comes along and says, nah, we're going to overturn that decision and we'll give it planning permission. Um, And somebody took it to the High Court or the Supreme Court and they failed to intervene. As you say, lots of people have been protesting and, you know, good work from them. And I think that's had an impact. And and it falls to Drax to actually make the right decision and say, you know what, guys, we're going to write off a couple of hundred million quid here and pull out of this project. I think it's incredible when when our planning system, our government and our courts are unable to make this happen and the polluter themselves actually makes that decision. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? And do, do you think that would have I mean, clearly there is 
perhaps over cynical. There is always a suggestion that, you know, no big company like that does this unless they think it's in their own financial interest somewhere in the equation. Oh, no, it's very straightforward. I mean, they were facing a reputational issue. There's some doubt about the revenue from the gas project itself. I think they needed something from the national grid, uh, some kind of commercial uh, outcome to help them. And at the same time, they have an alternative business. They burn trees in the same same place. And that, you know, combined with the reputational issue, I think it's very simple for them to say, do you know what, let's pivot to what they call renewable energy. Uh, let's pivot away from fossil fuels. They can see the writing on the wall, which is what's so ironic to me. Our government can't see it. They go, yeah, have a coal mine, have a third runway, have a big power station. Uh, but the big power station people are going, nah, writing's on the wall. Let's pivot to renewable energy. That's all it was. If they didn't have an alternative, then they wouldn't be doing it, but they've got one. And in a way, that's great because we need the big oil and gas companies to pivot to renewable energy, the car companies to pivot to electric cars. We need the food companies, the farmers to pivot to plants away from animals, uh, and then we can tackle the climate crisis. And, and also it sets a massive precedent, doesn't it? So when, when people say, look, there's no alternative, you can point to, you say, well, actually, look what happened in this story, and the more of those precedents you get, that sort of becomes, eventually becomes normality. Well, yeah, I love that because, you know, there are lots of people in this debate online saying, but we need gas because we can't be 100% renewable. You know, we need gas to kind of back up wind and that kind of stuff. And uh, somebody said that to me yesterday on social media. And I'm like, well, Drax don't think we need it. You know, they're, they're pulled out. This wasn't yeah, my decision. The very company that, <laughs> that was meant to be initiating and building this have decided no. So, um, and I, I just wonder again, just to go back to COP26 and, and later this year, I know everybody would be very diplomatic when they're around the table, but, you know, they will be in the UK for this. And I, I can sort of see fingers pointing at Boris Johnson and saying, well, third runway, coal mine, tracks, you know, what's the deal, Mr. Johnson? I think it's really funny because Drax have saved his bacon in terms of the uh, the gas power station and Cumbria Council are probably going to save his bacon when it comes to the coal mine because they've called that decision back in to review it. They say that the climate science has kind of changed since January or something. Something's changed, they say, yeah, and they want to review it. <laughs> yeah, <okay>. significantly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what what changed was the public outcry yeah. and you know and the craziness of the decision. I think they'll reverse that decision, and by the time COP comes, there won't be a coal mine, there won't be an extension to Drax. We may just be looking at Heathrow and some other runway extensions yeah. that are still in the pipeline. But hey, you never know. It, um, well, after you know a year of lockdown, you wonder where that um, story is likely to go when things get back to normality. I can I can almost see that popping back up onto the news agenda. Well, there's no sense in it, is there? But what's sure. what's really um, lamentable is that our government don't have the vision and the courage to see these things and make these decisions themselves. You know, yep. other people have to make them for them. It's it's just it's pathetic. Uh, this comes in from Ewan, who says, "Have you heard of Sea Spiracy? It's a new documentary coming soon to Netflix next month. Uh, I thought it'd be the kind of thing you would like." I think I think I'm an executive producer for that film. As it happens, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> you think you are? I think I am. Yeah, <laughs> it's a film that started years ago. I mean, maybe three years ago. Um, we we kind of partly funded the film to get it going, and and then they just disappeared, and then popped back up a few weeks ago and said, "Hey, it's us. The film's finished. Netflix wow. wants it. Everything's on." And uh, I'd forgotten all about it. But yeah, there you go. What, what's it about? Uh, don't know. A sea conspiracy, uh, yeah, yeah. Bad things happening in the ocean. You know, it's going to be, gonna be going on down yeah. there in the ocean. I, I don't, actually, I'm just being told by uh, one of your handlers that uh, there's a plan to watch to have a kind of a watch party on Facebook Live, 
uh, and get together with yourself and the producers afterwards. So wow, I'm who's breaking, telling you that? Where are you, I'm got breaking this news to you now. Yeah, no, well, I knew that actually, as it happens. <laughs> <laughs> no, the film is about industrial fishing and and you know, kind of the abuse of marine life. You know, gotcha, of course it is. Yeah. Which is a, just a really important issue. So I'm, I'm I'm pleased it's being made. And um, yeah, good I, work. I look forward to seeing it. Uh, this from Sam, uh, big fan of the podcast. On your rewilding campaign, which we, we talked a lot about last week, of course, can you shine some uh, some light on the need to rewild marine ecosystems? We kind of just oh, touched yeah. on this. They are uh, in steep decline, and we need them for carbon sinks. Uh, I know some of the great organizations like Help Our Kelp in Sussex doing <laughs> great work. What do you, I like that, Help Our Kelp. I like that, yeah. Good. No, I like that. Yeah, I mean, our, our seas are in a terrible state. Uh, we've been we've been big, uh, longtime fans of Sea Shepherd. You know, they've been campaigning on this issue for decades. But it's you know it's reaching crisis point. We just got to stop eating, um, you know, animals, including sea animals. Um, but you know, a couple of things popped up in the last few weeks. Brexit has a, has had a massive impact on the UK fishing industry. It's been good for fish because we can't export the stuff. Yep. So you know, fishermen aren't catching it, which is great. And uh, offshore wind, I was talking about the other day to somebody and uh, about the the environment impact of that there's a great beneficial effect of onshore wind because trawlers don't go in between the windmills they become uh, sea sanctuaries offshore wind parks which yeah, is you know which is really super cool but above all else we've just got to respect the planet more and the creatures on it you know because i mean it, uh, industrial trawling is an incredible abuse of the ocean bed the seabed i mean oh my god yeah it, it's just it's just all kinds of wrong one day what what is interesting about a lot of the stories we talk about are, are, are the way that kind of mankind innovates and change. You know, we started this episode of talking about making football shirts out of coffee beans. Over there in Seville, in Spain, they are making electricity out of oranges. Yeah, I mean, this is a cracking. It's a pilot scheme. Um, did you see this? So each year they have a problem. They've got forty eight thousand trees, orange trees, essentially. And 5.7 million kilos of the fruit deposit itself onto the streets in winter. So suddenly you've got what is, you can imagine, it's, it's, a, it's a hazard you wouldn't think about, but that's a lot of oranges to be hanging around in gutters and drains and just littering the place, going moldy, causing all sorts of other trouble. So they've just, as a new scheme has been launched to produce an entirely different kind of juice from the unwanted oranges, electricity. I didn't know that, but I was in uh, Sevilla uh, many years ago in my old fire engine. I, I left the proper pronunciation at the door. Did you notice that? You've gone <laughs> full Spanish on the stuff. I was there in my old fire engine, and uh, it was my first time in Spain, and, and I remember being parked up on a street next to a tree, and I just I pulled slid the window down. I was able to reach out and grab an orange. I thought I was in heaven. Nice, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize it was such a problem. Um you know, this is it's an interesting story, isn't it? It's like our coffee shirt story. It's it's so quirky that it, it grabs headlines and stuff. You know, because using organic material to make electricity is old. You know, there's nothing new about that. Um, it's actually better to make gas with it. You have to make gas first, and normally the gas is burnt to make electricity. And when you do that, you throw away half the energy value as wasted heat. Um, so, you know, I would say they could go one better in Sevilla. They could take these oranges and use the gas that comes from them uh, for heating uh, or cooking, but don't burn it to make electricity, and you'll get twice as much benefit from that gas uh, as you would otherwise. Yeah, but you won't get as many puns as you will out of the coffee story. <laughs> I don't know. There must be some. You got one. 
Well, unless you've pipped me to the post. Ah, see what I did there. <laughs> yeah. You really just you just gotta peel back the layers of this oh, story. <laughs> uh, and we'll finish on where on look, a pithy I'm, note. Do it I'm, a pithy I'm, way, Ian. Come on. Indeed, we will. And it's back to where we began in a way. Hello from Dubai, says Chris on Facebook. Saw your football shirt on TV. You were talking about how that story did really go global this week. And he says, are you going to do any other items from coffee? What about a standard Zero Carbonista shirt? Yeah, we would like to do some Zero Carbonista merch, actually. So that's a decent idea. We we could do that. Yeah, we could could make that out of the same material. Yeah, I like it. Thank you for that. Good work, Dale. We'll speak in a week. Nice one. <laughs> I thought you said squeak, but yeah. Ah, you say nearly. Yeah. Nearly. I was trying to make another pun, but then I, then I realized it didn't work. You know, I, I I need another shirt's worth of coffee. There'll be another batch coming along next week, I'm sure. Uh, good work. Thank you, Dale. That's it for this episode. Don't forget to call subscribe for free from your podcast provider so that you get each new episode automatically. Leave a review there too. Really important bit. Do follow Dale on social media. That's twitter.com slash Dale Vince, facebook.com slash Dale Vince. Zero carbon. East off.